and welcome to episode 80 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, December 9th, 2021. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? It is going well. How are you? Not too bad. You're wearing a beautiful sweater. Thank you. It is one of my hand-knit ones. It is very... Comfy and cozy, because it's gotten a little chilly here. It's sweater weather for sure. Yep. We're supposed to even get rain this weekend, which is very exciting for Californians. We need it. Every drop. We do. And that concludes the weather report. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we have recovered from our excitement of our professional recording studio. We are back to our usual setup. We are playing around with with some technological upgrades, but... uh, Technology is tricky. <laughs> so we, we are not sound engineers. No. I don't know if we've ever covered that before, but yeah. just putting it out there. Yeah. So we're going to play around over winter break and see what we can do with improving our sound a little more because it was really nice on the last episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we sound amazing. And if you haven't heard it, it's episode 79 coming at you from Tiny Telephone in Oakland, California. And it was a total amazing treat learning experience. And now we're going to, yeah, we're going to run with it. The content is amazing no matter what the sound is. <laughs> so I like to say. So we will have on the needles, on the easel, on the table, and on the nightstand. Okay, so on the needles. Oh my gosh, no, no finished objects. Just knitting craziness. <laughs> the I pile, love it. The pile of project bags around my knitting chair is getting... A little bit out of control, I will say. And it's been three weeks since we've recorded, so things that happened a while ago feel very far away. So I did make a little bit of progress on my newspaper pullover. I was working on the sleeves. I was trying to get it finished by Thanksgiving, and I realized pretty quickly that was not going to happen. So I decided to switch to some other projects that I wanted to get finished before the holidays kicked in. So I did make a little bit of progress on my sleeve, and I made a little bit of progress on Simon's Hide and Peak sweater, just the miles of dark charcoal stockinette, the Rick Rack sweater. Wildly exciting. Also known as, uh, yes. Yeah. But we were watching some movies over break and, and whatnot, so it was good. It just sits by my chair, and I can pick it up when I need something to knit while watching, you know, the latest Marvel movie or, or whatever has come up, James Bond, I don't know, something that I have to actually watch. It's not just listening. Lots of stockinette is the way to go there. I've made a good amount of progress on my Swing Left Socks by Megan Williams. Those are in Three Irish Girls Adorned Sock in the Bridget colorway, which is blues and greens. I have about half of the foot of Sock 2 to go, so I'm very excited. so close. Yeah, so those... It's amazing what happens when you actually pay attention to a project and and make a concerted effort to actually work on it. Things move along. Hmm. So that's good. And I'm I'm finally starting to understand the pattern. So I don't have to look at the chart every single second, which is helpful. So those should be done pretty soon, I think. But then I started three projects because December began, I know. Three? Three. We talked about this. Well, it's December. It is. So all the Advent things start happening. You know, knit-alongs that that give you part of a project 
each day for the first 24 days of December. So then Christmas comes and you have a fabulous finished object. And it's a lot of them, the idea is to take, you know, five, 10, 60 minutes for yourself and do something calming and, and relaxing. And when you're doing three of them at a time, it's a little less relaxing. It's a little more like three hours. <laughs> and when they're all, and you also have gift knitting that you want to do. Yeah. So there, there are some problems with my plan. Plus the sweaters. I would like to finish the sweaters at some, some point. Yeah. In the future. They're for wearing. Yes. Not right now, but they will be. So the first one is the 2021 Advent Cal from Trisha Weatherston. She was one of the creators and longtime moderators for the Sock Madness. Um, and every year she does a free Advent cowl or scarf. They have a different theme. One year it was all, I think, Japanese stitches. One year it was all color work. You know, so you kind of get to learn a new technique or skill. So that's been really exciting. I haven't done them in a few years, but they always turn out just amazing. One year was all cables. I did it in this like really deep navy blue. It's just it's an amazing scarf. Um, so this year, it's a cowl. There's two sizes. You can do one that's kind of a, a one loop, or you can double it and make it so you can wrap it around twice, which I decided to do for some reason. So it involves casting on 476 stitches. And oh then, my gosh. And Oh, provisionally casting on. So you... Even better. Even better. <laughs> and then join to work in a loop. So you have to make sure you're not making it into a Mobius cowl, which is with a nice twist in it. And there's no way to undo that once you've gotten past, like, the first row. You cannot fix it when you get to the fourth row. And you have to undo it all. This sounds like you're... how I know that. Yeah. But it has, gotten, it has gotten better now. So that is the ochre-colored one oh. that you saw. So what happened here was I was thinking about it, and she had the amount of yarn you need. And I might have mentioned this before, but I'm going to tell you again. Was, like, seven to 800 yards of fingering weight yarn. Forbidden Fiber had a, a holiday set that I thought was really beautiful, but I had no use for, so I didn't order it. Okay. But then it has 900 yards worth of yarn, which was exactly the right amount. It's six colors. And Zemi said she was using, uh, or Trisha said she was using, her username is Zemi, was using seven colors. So I thought, hey, perfect. Now I need to buy the yarn. <laughs> so I did. So now I'm trying to make the scarf. So it starts off. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful color palette. Isn't it I'm... gorgeous? It's very sort of antique and mm -hmm. it's got like a really dark cranberry. Uh, and you're the color person. It's like Little Women Christmas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we'll see how it works out when I get to the second set of colors. So it starts off with some Japanese stitches in one color and then it goes into a color work section. So that's when I'll bring in all the different colors. And it is a mystery, so you don't exactly know what's what's coming up next. Some people have just, I've seen it in just two colors, which is really beautiful. Uh, I've seen it in multiple colors, which is also really beautiful. So I am excited about that. I did, you know, realize at row four of 476 stitches that I had put in a, a twist. I had to take it all out. So that was super fun, but I think, <laughs> I think I have fixed it and we're all good. It just, it's a lot of, lot of stitches. So I haven't done too much on it yet because it is such Christmassy colors that I'm doing it in. I wanted to get it done before Christmas. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll wear it next Christmas and it'll be fine. But the yarn is really nice to work with. So I'm enjoying that when I get a chance to work on it. 
I also started another gnome because Sarah Shira of Imagine Landscapes is doing her holiday gnome knit along, which is wackadoodle. I don't know what we're knitting. It does not seem like a gnome. We have we have knit basically a square box thing. Maybe he's sitting or something. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's it's very clever. I'm super excited. I got a kit from Emma's yarn, and it's two shades of green and a total Christmassy red and a white with red and green speckles. So that's the beard. The beard, I understand. The beard <laughs> makes sense. The other things, I think we have arms. Not entirely sure. Yeah, so it's very interesting. And she always likes to throw in little new techniques. So there's a Latvian braid cast on, which is super fun. So that has been going well. So I'll have another gnome to do. And then that one is nice because she also gives you a few days off here and there. It's not 24 mm. knitting clues. So like yesterday, there was a recipe for gingerbread popcorn, which sounds yum delicious. And I can't wait to try it. But it was nice. So you you have a couple days here and there to get caught up and and not knit. So that has also been helpful. And then the fun. I want in on the popcorn. I know. It sounds delicious. I'm going to have to try it. And then the final one is the Skyline Wrap by Helen Stewart. She does a thing called Knitvent every year and actually starts early November, mid-November. It's usually about six or seven patterns and you get one a week and they're sort of giftable. Not, okay. not terribly complicated, but look really nice that you could, you know, make for yourself or, you know, knit gifts for people. And it's a whole knit along thing. And I've, I've done it off and on. They're usually really cute patterns. She usually has one that works for one of the Advent mini skein sets that are so popular in the knitting world. So that was the first one that came out. And I had won a set of 12 mini skeins from Knit Style Yarns as part of the splash pad party at down cellar studio podcast there's a lot of names in there all the links will be in the show notes so that was very exciting so i had these 12 mini skeins and they all came wrapped so i've been unwrapping them every day fun yeah and they're so cute so i've been trying to figure out a pattern because i knew i wanted to use those and since i only have 12 and most of them are 24 this one was a wrap and i just cut it in half it's like all right It'll, you know, I have a little bit more than half as much yarn as called for. So I think it'll work. I've still got to figure out what order I'm going to do the skeins in on the second half of the project, because I could either redo one through 12 or start going back 12 through one. Mm -hmm. But the set was called A Sweet Christmas, and they are all these like bright candy colored skeins. So there's like a lilac and a light pink. And then there's some really dark ones. There's like this deep, dark grape purple, and there's a chartreuse green, and mm. it's just so fun. They're completely colors that I would not have picked out on my own, but I am really enjoying knitting with them. The tricky part was that one was, so it said you could make the wrap narrower or larger based on multiples of 12. And I took that to mean you need to have multiples of 12 stitches. So I took the number that you were supposed to cast on, yeah. divided it in half, and then added a few to get a multiple of 12, which did not work because there is a three-stitch border on either end, which I did not account for. <laughs> so, and I did not, re and it did not come into play until you got to the second section. So I had to rip out a whole day's worth of knitting, which wasn't too bad, except that it was like one by one ribbing, which is not my most favorite thing to do. And then 
refigure out my numbers. So I'm back on track. It is super fun working with all these really bright colors, very cheerful. And I'm excited to keep working on that. So I'm going to have a whole bunch of lovely, fun, wintry scarves. And then, Excellent. yeah, so I still have a bunch of other things I need to start. Hopefully at some point I will finish something. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. My numbers are so off. My stash busting numbers, I was doing really well. And <laughs> I had a whole bunch of things that I had ordered that I kind of forgot about. And some clubs came in and... Yeah, and I haven't finished anything. If I could finish, like, one of the sweaters or one of these big scarves, it would be good. January, my numbers are going to be spectacular. <laughs> my my year-end total might not look so good. We shall see. Mm. But I'm enjoying my knitting, so. That's the most important thing. I have thing. many and options. the colors in the knitting corner upstairs are incredible. There's a lot of, lot of a options. A lot of good color. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of color in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is on the easel? So... You're right. It's been a while since we last chatted. Yeah. I was playing along with the Gouache Vember group, and then we ran into Thanksgiving, and I was scrambling with my calendar to get my calendar. Actually, that was before Thanksgiving, but I finally sent the calendar to the printer, and on account of COVID, just like everybody else, Everything is taking slightly longer. It's slightly more difficult. So the calendars are landing today. Oh, fun. And I just have my fingers crossed that it came out even remotely as good as last year. Because that was, you know, my maiden voyage for calendars. And this is my sophomoric effort. And I've been, you know, sometimes the second time around is... Well, the photo, I mean, the photos, the artwork that I have seen has been amazing. And I saw the ones before you redid them, so. Right. So I painted a ton for this calendar, and I'm really proud of the work that I did for it, and I'm excited to see it in my hand. Since I sent it to the printer, I have been painting the envelopes, because that, in years past, historically... I have really loved painting 150 acorns or 150 mushrooms. I mean, or, who doesn't? What did I paint last year? I don't Pencils. even remember now. The pen, the red pencil. It was brilliant. Um, that was also very easy to, like, you could just stack them up and just paint. Staggered. This year, I went with a super complicated thing. I have been kicking myself now that I'm nearly done. You know, I'm I'm over it, sort of. But... I painted a great blue heron, and it was not easy. And some of them are, let's just say, they are each their own bird. They're really <laughs> unique. I couldn't ever fall into like a good pattern because I set myself up with a design that has kind of too many steps. Mm. The image has too many steps. And because I love to paint birds, I couldn't just shortcut anything. Yeah. Birds. Lots of birds. And they're on the same recycled craft envelope that I used last year. That part was good because I knew what to expect with the paper stock. Sometimes getting used to the paper stock is half the battle. So the envelopes are done. The calendars should be landing. So the calendars are for new folks. I send these to my friends and family. And if I have a handful left over, then I sell them and I will have them available on my website. So 
by the time this launches, I don't know if I'll have any left, but I do announce it on Instagram if I'm releasing any. And your website will be on? My website is CourtneySpillane.com. It's on my my Courtney SF Instagram page, and it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yep. I even had to do the tech work to figure out how do I list a thing on my website? Uh-huh. Like, holy, yeah, technology. Fun stuff. Not. Fun stuff. <laughs> but I did want to say, I had someone mention at some point that they wanted to see more of Courtney's art, and it is all pretty much on her Instagram, not on the Craft Cook Read Repeat Instagram. So it's Courtney SF. Courtney SF. Yeah. No you and Courtney. So I did paint a fair bit for Gouache Vember in my sketchbook, and that was hosted by Daria at Hey Hooray. And then I jumped into... I don't know what I was thinking. I jumped into Birds in December with Charlotta at Blue Shine Art. Birds in December, and I'm painting like 200 herons on the... Yeah, I'm birded out right now. (laughs) So we will see. But the exciting thing is that I'm working really big. So normally, I don't know, maybe um, 12 by 16 has been my my biggest composition. And I bought some really big paper, like uh, 18 by 24 or 20 by 24. And I'm just like forcing myself to fill the page. So big still lives. And I'm just, they're really rough right now. I'm hoping that unlike the abstracts that I was fooling around with last winter, that these will be more shareable. And I feel the work that I was doing with the abstracts coming through because my, when you work that big, your gestures have to be bolder, more loose, less control. So it's, it feels really good. I'm in a great place. I'm eager to get the calendars out the door. However, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready for, I don't have any advent knitting. (laughs) I don't have any advent painting. I just want to paint. Like I want to be in there and painting. Yeah. I think I better make some cookies, but we'll come to that section in a minute. Yes, we will. (laughs) Okay, so on the table, we recorded before Thanksgiving, right? Right. We're living in a time warp. Exactly. All right, so I did want to talk about what I ended up making for Thanksgiving. Yes, please. So I did, after much back and forth between the, the cooks and the family. Okay. I ended up settling on an apple crisp from Mad Hungry. Because it just seemed nice. That's always such a solid cookbook. Absolutely. Great options. Feeds a bunch of people. So I used two kinds of apples. The crisp was really delicious. It worked well. I made it at home and transported it about an hour away. And it was tasty. And we had so many desserts that we actually had a lot left, which was fine. Because then I had breakfast for the next two days, which oh my gosh. is the best. Totally. And then I also made a chocolate cake which in my house goes by the name Granny's Wowie Cake, which my great-grandmother used to make. And it is one of those ones where you mix it all, and it's got baking powder to make it rise, and vinegar, and that does the reaction. And then once it's cooked, you poke holes in it and put a powdered sugar and lemon glaze on it. And so it's got this nice zing to it. That's the Wowie part of it. I assume that, that that's what I assumed. I don't know. Maybe someone else has a different reason for calling it a wowie cake, but that's what we call it. And so that was really delicious also. So that was fun. And then, you know, everyone else brought 
brought their things and it was lovely to see family and it was it was nice. For regular cooking, I did some fun stuff. There was dinner a love story, ooh, which I have another thought that I need to come back to. She has a recipe for cider braised meatballs in her How to Celebrate Everything cookbook and then a recipe for cider braised cabbage in the weekday vegetarians. And my thought was, they're both cider braised. Cook them together. Well, <laughs> not cook them together. <laughs> oh, that's um, right. But vegetarians. Least, yes, but it's at least the same components. So even if it's two pans, I'm not making two different sauces. I'm just dumping. It was basically the, the same recipe. So you make the meatballs, and then you braise them in a cider sauce and the cabbage. And that's Is this... Cook- um, a conventional cider, or are we talking like a, a spirit? The cabbage one called for regular cider, and the meatball one called for hard cider. Mm. I just used regular for both. Okay. And I think I maybe made some other tweaks to it to make them more similar, so that I didn't have to buy one thing for one, and I wasn't, I was going to get less confused as I was making them, like yeah. which pot was in which. Um, and they both turned out really well, and I served it with polenta. And it was delicious. So I enjoyed that. And I don't know, it's a little little different kind of thing, having an insider sauce. So that was fun. And then, well, I was going to talk about the Brussels and raclette casserole that I made. But then I felt like I'm talking too much about strange things that I'm making. I mean, if, if people want to hear more about Brussels and raclette, it was delicious. It's like in a cream sauce, and then you throw some prosciutto on top at the end, or not for my husband. He did not get the prosciutto. Sad for him. Whatever. He seemed happy. It was delicious. But it's not, I, I don't know. It, it feels like the kind of thing that most people are not going to make. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So if you are interested, let me know and I will give you details. But I've been making quiche a lot. Like it's such a great way to just use up leftover vegetables. And it it also satisfies your household's dietary restrictions, right? Yeah. I can use a gluten-free pie crust. Theoretically, I mean, you could make one without it and then it's a frittata. So that's a good option, too. You can make it ahead of time. It's very comforting. Satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So I made one. We had a bunch of mushrooms left over from the produce box. And I had some Swiss cheese left over from the Brussels thing. So it was delicious. Salad on the side. You know, it was just mm. super easy, throw it together. You know, you can keep a frozen... I'm, if you're not going to be fancy like Courtney and make your own pie crust, you can just keep a frozen one. Pie crust is so easy. Okay, you can make your own and freeze it <laughs> and then pull it out later. I don't know if gluten-free pie crust is easy. I have not messed with that. Just because of the flour and the gluten. Anyway. For sure. However, whatever kind of pie crust you want to use. So that would be something I would recommend as a thought. Like, And you can actually, I think make the whole thing ahead and freeze it. So even easier. But then something we really enjoyed was sweet Korean lentils from (laughs) It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, which is a fabulous... Is that the name of the That's the name of the website. Oh, oh. Yep. So I think it's like a food blog. This one I got from the group that is discussing the Advent scarf. I know somehow they got on the topic of lentils and how to cook them and people threw this one out. So you cook the lentils in... A broth of a lot of soy sauce and veggie broth and sesame oil and you know all the it's basically Asian I don't I mean I don't know that it's exactly Korean it's sort of American Asian sure <laughs> flavors. but it has yeah, yeah the flavors but it has those flavors 
and it was delicious. It was really good. And we served it over rice and then, you know, I don't know, had some other veggies on the side, but it was really easy. My husband was super excited, wanted to learn how to make it. He's like, what did you do to it to make it taste like this? So it was definitely a really, really exciting new thing to do with lentils. Well, I think soy sauce is great because they really do absorb the flavor of whatever they're cooking in. And they need a little, they need some acid, you know, so, and salt. So that makes sense. Yeah. That that would work. Yeah. So I would recommend those if you're trying to get a little, little lentil in your life. Yeah. I love lentils. Yeah. Not everyone does. Beans. (laughs) Not so much, but lentils. Yes. Cool. Well, here's another tool for the tool shed. Excellent. Thank you. All right. How about you? We celebrated Thanksgiving with the whole family, and that was amazing. We all tested first and gathered, and it was wild to have 30 people together again. Yeah. So really, really happy about that. I had salad duty. I was going to make the Smitten Kitchen one with the roasted butternut squash. Oh, right. But there were so many other squash things coming that I just kept it a really simple green salad. But I did use her warm shallot dressing on it. And that was excellent. And I had tons left over. So I've been putting it on everything. I've been putting it on my lunch salads. It goes great with sardines. It's like great on rice. It's just a wonderful dressing. Not a very exciting addition to my show notes, but salad (laughs) dressing. The other gem from Thanksgiving was one of the in-laws' sisters joined us. And she is a baker up in Spokane. And her company is Kushli Kitchen. I put a link in my stories like a week and a half ago about her gift baskets that she's doing. And so she's Norwegian and she makes these amazing treats and handmade crackers and excellent popcorn. And she was doing, by the time this comes out, she'll be done with her season because of shipping and that kind of thing. But my kids loved it and... Everything was delicious, and it was so fun to meet another small business person who was looking to grow her business in this crazy season, and I loved, you know, giving her a shout-out, and I'm hoping that other people will find her, you know, in, in whatever capacity. The rest of my cooking is centered around the wrestling team, which is just mountainous amounts of food. One of the things I made was I made pulled chicken sandwiches one Mm. night for our family, not for the team. And I did it in the slow cooker and I added a lot of vinegar, cider vinegar, and it was so tender. And then barbecue sauce and seasonings and really, really tasty. And we had it on brioche buns. And my my kids were like, this would be great for team dinner. Except it's a lot of work for team dinner to like slow cook all that chicken and then shred it all. And so for team dinner, we ended up making an oven roasted chicken breast with a really great flavorful 
spice rub that we found online that I want to share with people. It, it It's excellent, super flavorful. It cooks in like 16 minutes, although my husband did pound out like a team's worth of chicken. Wow. So they were a little bit thinner and they cooked fast. So that was success. And then one of my sons is dating a young woman who is lactose-free. And the problem with being a relatively adept baker is that your children sometimes brag about it to other people. And then other people doubt your children. You know, everybody thinks their mom makes Mm. a great chocolate chip cookie. Well, your kids are actually correct. (laughs) Well, I felt like I had to prove myself to this girl. (laughs) And because she's lactose intolerant, that means Mm. no butter. And so I walked around for a couple of days thinking about like, what would be a flavorful butter alternative that would keep the a lactose-free alternative that would keep the same consistency with a simple chocolate chip cookie recipe. And I thought about vegetable shortening. I saw recipes that called for vegetable oil and or applesauce. I've tried that route and it's nowhere near the same. Sorry, folks. And then I was at Costco and saw a container of ghee. Now, your first impulse is going to be, Courtney, ghee is butter. (laughs) But ghee is actually lactose-free because it is rendered down. They're able to take the the, uh, milk solids out of it. And so it's basically just butter fat. Well, I didn't really do any research. I just bought (laughs) the ghee because I've been kind of wanting to play with it anyway. Yeah. I brought it home. I... Again, did no research. I just did my usual, like scooped it in. It whipped up exactly like butter does because it is butter. (laughs) And then um, I chilled it like I always do. My same recipe, except ghee. Put it in the fridge, baked them off. They didn't flatten as much as my cookies do, even when I tried to pan bang it. The texture was incredible, and they were really rich. They were like fudge chocolate chip cookies, like really, really good. I think from what I've read, I could have backed off a little bit on the amount because it is so concentrated. Mm -hmm. It also has a really distinct flavor. It smells caramely and nutty, and I liked it. The kids weren't so – they were nervous about Mm. the smell of it. The other thing that I didn't account for was that chocolate chips have lactose in them. So it wasn't a perfect execution, but he took the cookies to the girl and was very successful. She does take like an enzyme for it. Mm. So it wasn't like the lactose in the chocolate chips sent her to the hospital. To the hospital. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's good. So I think on the whole, the ghee experiment was a success. Nice. And I have read that if you're using it in other, actually what I read was, oh, if the ghee isn't working out, just put a splash of heavy cream in because it needs the liquid. And I thought that is not omitting the lactose. That's like putting the lactose back in. Kitchen science, Monica. I, yeah. Yeah. 
So that has, it's been chemistry, basically. Nice. Chemistry is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I did very poorly in chemistry in high kitchen, school. But... Kitchen chemistry is yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. And the other thing I wanted to say tonight, I have my 25-person holiday hangout with Jenny Rosenstrack. Yes. So do you have your questions? Do you have questions for her? I have a question. Okay. I want to talk about mocktails. I want to talk about cocktails. (laughs) Well, but we have like kids and adults. And then so ones that would be good to serve to a group. That you can also like add a little shot of something. I see. So, so for those that, so that grandpa doesn't get. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gesturing for like you know, obliterated. You can can control a little bit. Well, and so that you're not like making two punches and you know, right? Because we make Manhattans and they are very strong. I am sure. So that was my that was something I wanted to talk about. Trying to make things a little easier for myself. Well, my friend Kelly is here from Boston for two weeks, which means more kitchen chemistry in the mixology department because she loves a a great cocktail. So I will report back in the new year about, because last year when she was here, we did all of those like ginger based ones. Those were really exciting. So do you have a theme for this year? Citrus, probably Mm -hmm. generally gin based. All right, so on the nightstand then. Yes, so it has been three weeks, people, so hold on to your hats. But I do have some sad news, first of all. I have reached the end of the Inspector Gamache series. <laughs> I finally listened to Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny, which is the most recent Inspector Gamache. I now have no more until she comes up with a new one. You need a new series. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> We're there. Have you read The Magpie Murders? I don't know. I'm definitely aware of it. And it has been on my list. I can't remember if I've actually read it or not. I just heard What Should I Read Next talking about that. And I thought, why haven't Monica and I talked about that? Neither one of us have read that. I think I tried it. Oh, I have read one of his, but not Magpie Murders. I have read The Word is Murder, which came out in 2017. What's his first name again? Anthony Horowitz. Anyway, so... Madness of Crowds. I gotta say it was not my most favorite of her books. Part of it was, it takes place in a post-pandemic world. Everybody got the vaccine, wore their masks, they have wiped it out, the government declared the pandemic over, everyone's super happy. You know, suffering trauma from what they went through, but... Yeah. So that was a little bit depressing, because <laughs> we are not there yet. <laughs> I bet she thought by the time she was yeah. done with that book... It would be, be water under the bridge yeah. and then no, not Omicron. so much. Not so much. So that was a little tr- depressing. And then the the mystery part of it felt a little more scattered. So it is the week between Christmas and New Year's and everybody's gathered at home for the holidays. Gamash gets called in to organize and provide security at a local university. They're having a speaker come and they think the crowds are going to be out of control for various reasons. Turns out to be true. Things happen at the the event, and then there's some more stuff happens at a party in Three Pines. There's shenanigans all over the place. It, it was it was it was an odd one, I will say. So any good so food was, in it? Not that I remember. Nothing spectacular. So overall, not not my favorite. I mean, I'm gonna read the next one whenever it comes out. 
But State of Terror by Louise Penny and Hillary Rodden Clinton was a romp, as you like to say. <laughs> oh my gosh. I made the mistake of starting this one at 10 o'clock at night. I was, I always like to read for like five, 10 minutes what? before bed. That's it? Well, okay. Sometimes longer, but at the, you know, but if I'm tired and I'm going to yeah. bed, it doesn't, I still want to read five, 10 minutes. It helps me fall asleep. And I was pretty tired that night. And it's like, I'll just read a little bit, get the book, you know, read the first chapter, get it started. At 11 o'clock, I had to force myself to put the thing down because otherwise I would have stayed up all night reading it. It is just so much fun. I have no self-control. If I start crazy. reading, yeah, I will read for hours. Well, give yourself night. time. But that's the only time that I sit down with a book mm. or lay down with a book. <laughs> yeah. So, so. choose okay. your moment carefully. So this one is the story of Ellen Adams. She is the new U.S. Secretary of State. She ran a media empire before, but the new president called her to be uh, Secretary of State. So she gave up her empire, turned it over to her daughter, and is taking on this new job. Uh, she does not get along with the president. She was a very vocal supporter of his rival in the primaries, so there's a lot of tension there. So things are, are not going great. There's a lot of fallout from the shenanigans of the previous president, who may or may not be based on a past US president. And then bombs start going off in Europe. And Ellen is involved as Secretary of State, um, trying to figure out what's going on. So she's flying around the world and interviewing people and talking to heads of state. And her best friend is involved. It looks like maybe high up government, US government officials might be part of it. There's other things. They're trying to figure out what the, the end game is. So it is, you know, a spy thriller. But with a middle-aged woman who is your spy. So it's pretty awesome. She is also has this really great relationship with her best friend from childhood, which is kind of based on Hillary's relationship with her best friend. It was just really nice. There's um, her relationship with her daughter. There's all these really great relationships in it, aside from all the exciting stuff going on. Well, the... The story, I think we talked about this at some point, the story of this collaboration, mm -hmm. which is also about friendships and relationships, didn't yeah. we? I think... Oh, maybe we did. It, it, yeah, it is. Like, Louise and Hillary are friends in real life. Right, but they were, I think they were introduced by a mutual friend yes. who, whom they have subsequently lost to cancer. Correct. So their connection is... Like really wonderful and yeah. strong and meaningful and I just I loved the story behind their own their collaboration yeah. and it's awesome to hear that their the fruit of that collaboration is exciting and yeah, fun. It was super fun. They left some room at the end for a sequel or you know, the beginning of a series if it went well, which I feel like it's getting pretty good reviews from people. People are kinda of like, What? But then if you actually read it, everybody that I know who's read it has been pretty pretty into it so and Gamash makes an appearance well which yeah. sort of annoyed me but I was like okay whatever sure throw him in there hello three pines so yeah super fun they go into how it all came about and what they were what they were trying to accomplish there's a cute scene with Spanx and <laughs> <laughs> um, it is you can tell that two women wrote it it was really good so I enjoyed that one very much but you were saying I needed a new series I have read 
since the last time we recorded books 7 through 13 in the October Day series. Okay, by then. By Sean and McGuire. So I went on a little bit of a binge. It was, the, you know, it was holiday break, and I just... It's a really good series. I'm very much enjoying all the characters. So this is the one. October is a changeling, so she had a human father, fairy mother... And so changelings are in kind of a weird position in fairy society because they're looked down upon. Of course. Obviously. (laughs) But she has all these interesting powers. Um, She's she's gotten a whole crew of people around her that have become her found family, which is very important. Every four books, there is some big revelation about October's past and Mm. heritage and all the things she can do. So that's always fun. And then it was, I think at the beginning of book eight, there was a Shannon usually does a, a message about like, you know, what she was thinking about. And apparently book eight was the one that she mapped out first. So all mm. the, the previous seven books she had written to get to book eight, which I don't know if most authors do that. Like they, I think they have their first book. I mean, maybe, maybe they all are very organized. That just I, seems such an interesting way. I love to hearing it. about the process like that yeah. though. And then I think she still has ideas about like where everything is going. And I mean, she comes out with a book a year now, so. In this series, she comes out. I think she has four different series that she's working on and a couple standalones. So she is very busy. But yeah, so it's been it's been a super fun series. I've got two more books to go. Yeah, because I just read 13. So there's 14 and 15. And then I will be all caught up with that one. And then I will need a new series. Okay. But that has been very enjoyable. So then I also read Bewilderment by Richard Powers. Oh, who yeah. Wrote the overstory. That's just my excitement. Sorry. Yes. No. So we both really enjoyed the overstory. Bewilderment, I did not like as much. Oh, I know. But that was just you're... me. I'm sorry. That's just me. You might enjoy it very much. So it is the story of a dad and a son. The mom has died two years ago. So they are still recovering. So the dad is an astrobiologist, Theo. Um, he So he looks for signs of life on other planets using how the light reflects Mm -hmm. and I don't know lots of science in there and the kid is nine years old at the start of the book he has five different diagnoses from three different doctors so the dad is just kind of letting him be him because they've just got so much that they're working through so then the kid is having a lot of problems they have to do something so his wife's ex-boyfriend is an AI scientist and they have his dead wife his dead wife's before they met, she yeah. had a boyfriend who is now an AI scientist. And he is working on a system where they record people's brainwaves when they're having certain emotions. So like happiness or anger. And then they have other people train themselves on the machines to match those emotions. to like make their brainwaves match up. And apparently, I don't know, interesting things happen. And so the kid is working with his mother's brainwaves and it's really helping. And then things happen. So there's a lot going on in this book. It's a little bit in in the future with a much more climate change affected world. There's a lot of politics going on. The dad is going to maybe lose funding for his department. So it just felt a little more unfocused, I think. Hopeful? No. Is it hopeful? No. No. Okay. (laughs) That was the other problem I had with it. I don't want to... It was good. Yeah, the ending, I was like, what? So I don't want to turn people off it, but I, it was, it was not, not what I was thinking it would be. So you might, might, 
be something that you would enjoy. Yeah, I'm looking for hopeful right now. Yeah. No. So. I would I would go something else then, probably. Okay. I also read Stoic Wisdom by Nancy Sherman, which was my book club book. This was nonfiction. And she is a professor at Georgetown. She's done a lot of military history and military ethics. And so she was looking at Stoicism and how people are looking at it now because it's kind of going through a resurgence and so she's looking at it what it is historically and how people have changed it and how we might find it useful but you actually have to look at all of it it is very i think the idea that people have of it is that it's very you're self-reliant and you you don't rely on other people but it is actually very much also about being connected with the world and your community Mm -hmm. and that kind of gets left behind we had we had a fantastic discussion the book was maybe not the best book as an introduction to Stoicism. So it was interesting, but there's others out there that if you, if you want to learn about Stoicism, that might be better. And then I had a couple romance ones. It Had to Be You by Georgia Clark. Liv is a 49-year-old wedding planner who lives in Brooklyn. And her husband dies suddenly. And she finds out that he has left his half of the business to his girlfriend. So that was a bit of a shock. And the girlfriend shows up in New York, ready to take over the business and learn from Liv. So it was a bizarre beginning. It ends up being kind of a love actually scenario. You've got all these different couples who are interconnected and they're all having different romantic issues. It actually ended up being really sweet. And the relationship between the girlfriend and the wife, they work out their differences so it was, it was a little bit strange. The thing that really annoyed me was the, the lack of technological knowledge in the 49-year-old. I don't know why this, this annoyed me, but she was, I'm like, she's a wedding planner in New York. I feel like she would understand the importance of Instagram. Yeah. And she was like, no, I don't need this. Why would I need this? Although, so. as somebody who is perhaps trying to sell art, you know, listing a calendar. Well, I'm not saying that she wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just saying she might not like, know, be able to do it herself, but if someone oh, came, yeah, for if sure. the 23 year old came and I mean, it, it feel it, it, it felt odd. It felt like if she was in her eighties, then maybe she wouldn't right. get it quite as right, much. Right, right, right. But to be resistant to someone saying, here's our social media platform. This is what we need to do. She'd be like, oh, great. For sure. Right. Like, I would love, I understand. I would love somebody <laughs> to be like, oh, this is how you list something. Blah, 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 yeah. And just exactly. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying she would be fantastic at it, but I feel like she would understand. And there were a couple of things like that where it felt that she was being portrayed as as much older than she actually Ah. was. Anyway, that was separate. There's a lot of really sweet characters. There's a lot of diversity in the characters. Lots of good relationship issues. Learning about yourself. So that that was a sweet book. The other one I read was The Heart Principle by Helen Huang who I read a couple of hers as well. This is the third one in kind of her universe. Helen herself is autistic and was diagnosed as an adult. And so her, usually at least one of her main couple are autistic as well. And it's been super helpful in kind of getting an understanding of how it works, especially in an adult perspective. So her main character in this is Anna, who is a violinist, who's had her 15 minutes of fame and is now having a great deal of difficulty playing the violin she keeps getting stuck in her head. Her therapist suggests that maybe she is 
trying to please other people too much, which you can't do as an artist. And it's happening in other aspects of her life. So she needs to try and do some stuff for herself, which Anna finds really difficult to do. Uh, but then she comes home and her boyfriend of five years says, I'm pretty sure I want to marry you, but let's just be really sure and see other people right now. So she decides, huh, okay, interesting. So her plan is to have a one night stand. She meets Quan, who is recovering from some health issues and ready to get back on the dating scene. Decides the best way to do that is have a one night stand. It doesn't work out the first time, so they decide to try it again. <laughs> And again, and again, <laughs> uh, there are many shenanigans. They are a really interesting couple. There's so many issues on both sides. It was definitely, she said it was a more autobiographical book than her other ones. So there is some hot and steamy business going on, but much less. There is, there is a lot more of just what they're going through emotionally and in their lives. It was a really beautiful book. I enjoyed that one. And then finally, Tales from the Cafe by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. This is the second in a little series. First one was Before the Coffee Gets Cold. And it is about a little cafe in Japan where you can sit at a certain table in a certain chair and drink a cup of special coffee. And you go back to the past and meet someone. You can't change the past and you only have until the coffee gets cold. And you have to finish the coffee before it gets cold. Otherwise, you will get stuck there. You don't want to get stuck there. So each book has four little stories about four people that go back because they want to meet someone from the past. And they all end up being slightly interconnected, and they're connected with the people that own the cafe. They're just really beautiful little stories about love and family, and I really enjoy them. And they're, they're pretty short, though. That's a good... That, that sounds interesting. Yep, that yeah, one. I find that one. That one was good. What about you? Well, I have a couple of book books to tell you about. And then I have five art books that I want to mention cool. for my art people. Go for, for it. For the artists. Okay. I read Company of Liars by Karen Maitland. She is a linguist by trade. And so I think that that lends a really interesting angle to this book, which is set in 1348. Oh. In, I don't know, UK. Okay. Very rural outside of London. They're just oh. roaming the aisle, basically. It's this motley crew, this motley company led by a main character named Camelot. And there is a pestilence. And the part of the linguistic side of it is at that time, it wasn't called the plague or it wasn't called, you know, a pandemic. Obviously, they didn't know how far it had spread. It was it was only by word of mouth that they had a real sense of how far the grasp of the pestilence reached. And so people are kind of fleeing from it and they'll come up to a town and look for signs of pestilence, which means like mass graves. It is not the most lighthearted thing to be reading during a global pandemic, but there are, the language was very interesting to me. And the remedies, like what they thought would, you know, it was the equivalent of like sacrificing goats and reading the ruins and all kinds of stuff like that. And not really 
paying attention to hand, I mean, it's 1348, not paying attention to hygiene or water sources or, so the, the overarching fear is the, the pestilence, but really what's bringing this group together is their secrets and what you, what we don't know about them. And as the secrets unfold, you want to be along for the ride because it's such an interesting, disparate group of characters. Really fun book about oh, a plague, if okay. that can be said. Then I picked up Crying in H Mart, which is oh, a memoir yeah. by Michelle Zahner. Zahner. And I know a lot of people will have heard about this. That I actually read about half of it and then have put it aside because it got a little bit too heavy for me. Mm. My father and her mother both had the same type of cancer, mm-hmm. and it's hard to keep reading about that. And it's also hard because we got to a certain point in the book when she was watching her mom decline, and I was there when my dad was in that same decline. And I think it's okay to, for me to come back to this book. Oh. But what I really loved about it was how she accessed her memories of her mom through food and that I could see my kids, you know, laughing about me and geez, let's hope 50 years. And, uh, you know, about my trying to make ghee for ghee and the chocolate chip cookies and, Mm -hmm. and the things that she's remembering going shopping with her mom at H Mart or eating in the food court upstairs and her mom kind of nitpicking her about, how she should specifically order something. Michelle Zahner is half, her dad is a Caucasian American and her mom is an immigrant Korean. And so she's wants to keep a foot in Korea, but she also, her mom wants her to have that American side too. And so it's just that push pull of being the child of an immigrant, but also feeling different because she is half Korean and the relationship with her dad was also kind of difficult to read about for me. But maybe other people will will be able to muster through. Yep. Um, you read it and really... No, I haven't. Oh. It's been on my you? list. Oh, okay. No. One of those ones on my list, but I've not gotten to it yet. Yeah. I think I'm just in a still slightly fragile yep. state about that stuff, and I own it. And then, I don't know what I thought this was going to be. The Deal of a Lifetime is a slim little novella by uh, Frederick Bachman, who wrote A Man Called Uv oh, yeah. and I and Anxious People, mm-hmm. which they're making into like a Netflix something oh, or other. Uh-huh. Um, Station Eleven is coming out soon, too. I right? heard that. So many. So many good ones. Yeah. Deal of a Lifetime is a father is dying on Christmas Courtney. Eve. I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It is. It's a little funny. But then he has, like, he's visited by this, it's kind of like a Christmas carol. I was going to say. Yeah, he's visited by this spirit, and she offers him the deal of a lifetime, and it will absolutely break your heart. Oh, (laughs) you do need a happy book. I need a happy book. And then I read Shiner by Amy Jo Burns, which is not a happy book, (laughs) just in case people were wondering. We need happy books, people. Yeah. Let us know your recommendations. (laughs) This takes place in West Virginia. I think it's supposed to be modern day, but it feels like it could be 30 years ago or 
80 years ago because they live, this family, mother, father, and daughter, live way into the mountains, and he is a snake charmer preacher. And I'm air quoting because I don't really know what that, it's not something I've had experience with. The book moves through the viewpoints of the daughter, the mother, and then the best friend. And they're overlapping secrets. And the the womanhood is strong in this book. And that is what kept me fueled to read it because it is otherwise not chipper. (laughs) Okay, now five amazing art books that if you, if somebody had caught me in the springtime when I was kind of like, very Eeyore about my art. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like doing this. La la la. This, these are the five books that I prescribe. Well, I don't know about all five of them, but (laughs) find a book called Natural Curiosity. It is a catalog of art by Anna Valdez, who is a Bay Area artist working with ceramics and murals and a mix of oil and acrylic. Her super vibrant, highly detailed paintings. I just love her use of color. She includes some digital sketches, which I just think it's fun to see because you often don't have access to that. Great visual read. Then I picked up an Edward Hopper Modern Master by Ida G. Burkow. This is a more curatorial approach. She is drawing from some more scholarly work from Gail Levins, who was at the Whitney, interpreting the influence of French art and theater on Hopper's work. And you can really dig in and get to the marrow of Edward Hopper. There's a lot of narrative in the book, but really I was into the big, big images. Edward Hopper is a master of light and shadow, and his compositions are often surprising because he do- he's not shy about putting a desk like in the corner and chopping it off. And I just think that that is interesting in a jarring kind of way. Then I was looking at Mary Fedden, Enigmas and Variations by Christopher Andre. Mary Fedden is a British artist who lived from 1915 to 2012. And this... Okay, this is one of the prescribed ones. She worked in oil, gouache, pencil, collage. She was not fussy about her media. I'm sure she was fussy, but she used a lot of different media. She did slightly distorted or simplified still lives and landscapes. One of her collectors said she paints happiness and happiness is needed. And I thought that that was really amazing. And he put a piece of hers next to a Matisse that he owns. So if that gives you a sense of like the color and joy that she could be paired with a Matisse, check it out. She also did these really charming um, like fabric sculptures. I would call it a stuffy. Little cats and things that I just thought were so fun. Two more great prescription ones. The Working Mind and Drawing Hand of Oliver Jeffers. This is a big, thick, delicious book that is kind of like an illustrated autobiography. Oliver Jeffers is known for his children's books, I think, in a lot of ways, although he also does kooky handwriting and collage, and he just 
works in a, in a wild variety of ways. And it tells the story of his artistic evolution from coming from Belfast and his, the influence of his mother and then coming to New York and finding work here and then becoming a parent and how that's influenced his art. And I, I just was really into it. I was along for the ride. It was joyful. Another monster art book called Academy X, and that's Academy with a K and an I-E, or Academy 10. I'm not sure how it's supposed to be. Lessons in Art and Life. This is published by Faden, and it's a consortium of different artists who have lent their voices to the volume. In the beginning, it says something like how to think, read, and live like an artist. And it's interviews with 36 different artists or art world folks. It includes a brief CV of their own, different photos, photos of their work and like a portrait, and then tips for the future generation. And it doesn't mean you have to be an 18-year-old branching into the art world. I could be the future generation of art, the way that they're written. It's letters from the field or advice. And then they all included a reading list, which Ooh. is just like, yes, it's like a hundred more books from just from reading that one book. I have renewed this like twice now, and I hope to keep it through the holidays where I can really look back through it again. So I'm getting a lot of inspiration and... Um, You're getting your happiness from the art books. Yeah, the art books are are great right now. And I hope that if you're looking for that or you want it for yourself in the new year, that you can get to a library and get your hands on some of these. They're are these new books or are you just new to you? Um, the Natural Curiosity, the Anna Valdez is new and the Working Mind and draw, Drawing Hand, I think is within the past couple of years. The other two might be older and I'm not sure about Academy X or Academy 10. Hmm. Good stuff. Use your library. Use your library. The, yeah, art books are really, really expensive. And some of ours, I have to go down to the main branch to look at. And so I'll put like a, a handful on hold. And and if people like having or hearing about the art books, then let us know. And I'll include, I don't often include them, but I just hit this like little yeah. gold mine vein of art books. And so I thought I'd share. Thank you. Thank Very you. Nice. We still have Craft Cook Read Repeat hoodies if people are interested. I think we are all out of the extra large, but we have all the other sizes. So get in touch with us on Instagram or Ravelry or craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. If you can pay for the shipping, that would be fantastic. But otherwise, the hoodie is yours. They're very cozy and lovely. Yes. Then we will we will be taking a break after this, our, our annual end of the year vacation. Not I don't know. We're not going anywhere, but <laughs> we're not going anywhere either. But Too we take a little breather to spend time with our families and celebrate the holidays. And then when we come back, we generally do kind of a goals or what we're trying to to accomplish in the coming year. Although that's bitten me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to think. I think I started off really well and then it kind of faded, yeah. as resolutions tend to do. That'll be out on January 12th, I believe, four weeks from now, whenever that is.
So in the meantime, have a wonderful holiday season, whatever you celebrate. And make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Well done. It's like it's it's, it's like, like we've, we've done, done this before. <laughs> Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or Courtney SF. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.